WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Lazowitz. And uh, this is sort of our back to school special, uh, probably a little bit later in September when this actually releases. But what school is starting on time this year, right? <laughs> time is a flat circle. Time yeah. is a flat circle. But uh, this is actually, so we recorded the bulk of this episode back in July, but basically uh, Matt and I took a trip up to the Cubert School uh, in um, the town that it is, Dover, Dover. New Jersey. (laughs) Uh, They had an open house in July, and so we sat down with uh, Anthony Marquis, uh, uh, now three-time guest on (laughs) uh, WMQ&A, who owns the Cubert School in addition to Dewey's Comic City, uh, which is now located inside the school. And uh, we also talked with Fernando Ruiz, uh, another past guest on the show, who's one of the instructors there, just a little bit about, you know, how the school sort of evolved under COVID, uh, you know, you know, a little bit of history, uh, obviously uh, founded by Joe Kubert, you know, sort of one of the, the golden age legends of comics, kind of a first family of comics, really, uh, you know, three generations strong. We just had Emma Kubert on the show uh, a week or two ago from when you're listening to this, uh, depending on when I actually put it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was really neat to actually walk through and, you know, it's an old school building. It's got that old school feel to it but there's beautiful comic art everywhere. Uh, I mean, you go through, you see art from the Kuberts. You see art from Anthony, from Fernando, from some of their other great legendary alums, both Anthony and Fernando are alums as well as Mm -hmm. instructors, owners. I mean, uh, Tom Mandrake, Jan Dersima, all these just incredible artists. There's others. Lee Weeks. Lee Weeks, thank you. and we also popped into the new Dewey's, which is there as the comic shop is one side and the Kubert Art School is the other side. Art, art school. Art store. The art supply store, yeah. Art supply store is the other side. Um, which, again, you know, I always call Anthony Marquez like the land baron of comics, man. That's a shrewd deal, man. Move all, move all your holdings under one roof. And they still got John Bush running the store. Uh, another past guest on the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it looks nice there. Got those hardwood floors. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is a... It, it, I've always, I'd always wanted to go, and I'd always wanted to go. And this was the excuse for us to finally get up there and, you know, see the school. Yeah. It's it's very cool. Um, and for those of you who are paranoid about such things, yes, we wore our masks. We were good adult men. <laughs> yeah, we were in a we, we we sat we socially distanced. There was an HVAC unit running. Anthony Anthony talks about all the different precautions that they are taking. Yeah, which is interesting stuff for those of us who are interested in such things. Yeah. And, you know, we mentioned, we mentioned the relationship between the Kubert School and Dewey's. Obviously, it's a lot closer now that they share the same physical space. But, you know, a lot of the people who went through the Kubert School, both instructors and students, like when you go to Free Comic Book Day at Dewey's, they're all there. They're all sketching. They're getting that training in, you know, doing uh, sketch work and commissions for people. Uh, they make up, I don't know, I, Matt, you tell me, but I'm thinking like 90% of your Batman sketchbook. Um, 70. Okay. All 70. Right. Because I mean, I, I've, you know, there's a lot of cons in there. 
Mm-hmm. A lot, I mean, that, that, that's 10 years of sketches. So yeah. I've hit a lot of cons in, in 10 years. It's, it's, but, but yeah, even some of the ones I've gotten at cons, have, <laughs> I got uh, Jan and Tom at cons, not at Free Comic Book Day. Mm-hmm. But I, I've gotten a lot of, of Kubert alums in that sketchbook. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was interesting to, to kind of just look at that, the, you know, the educational side of the industry and to talk to Anthony uh, and Fernando for a little bit. So uh, why don't you go ahead and listen to that now? All right. So we're at the Kubert School. We're here with uh, Anthony Marquis, the uh, uh, owner, president of the school, and Fernando Ruiz, one of the instructors. Uh, crazy year, obviously, to be in the education business. Uh, you know, how has the Kubert School uh, adapted under... COVID-19 and, you know, the period where it wasn't able to have any in-person instruction. First off, I just want to say thanks so much for having uh, myself and Fernando Ruiz on this, uh, this podcast. It's really appreciated. Thank you so much. Uh, and then to talk about the school and how we responded, I just think it's been really fantastic. I'm extremely proud of our staff, uh, the faculty and the students, the way that they've responded to everything due to COVID-19. And so some of the things that we've done uh, was, you know, once the students were all sent home, we had to implement a remote learning program, which was really fantastic. So utilizing some of the technology that already exists, we were able to ensure that the students received the same sort of education that they would while still being here in person, but now at the comfort of their homes and safety as well, uh, which was really key. Uh, And out of that, it was really fantastic because we were able to grow a whole online program, which has just grown over and over again. And the the size of that has, it's been incredible with the way that that's that's boomed. Uh, Fernando's, poor Fernando, I have him working like every (laughs) single night. Uh, You know, we run this incredible online program, the online studies courses, and those are about two hours each. And they're Monday through Friday and Saturday mornings. And we have a whole array of different classes that you can take from basic drawing to narrative art with uh, Tom Mandrake. And we have Maria Sinapo and Jan Dersima and Taylor Esposito and, of course, Sergio Cariello. Sergio Cariello. I mean, it's, it's been absolutely incredible. Yeah. And it's been a great way for us to also bring in different uh, guest speakers. We had Jeff Johns uh, just recently, and that was incredible. Uh, Dan DiDio. We've also done a ton of different YouTube videos. I mean, out of... A lot of the negative, there's been wonderful growth as well, though. And so we all have to keep that in mind, that we have to stay positive and keep moving forward. That was a really long answer. I no, that's okay. That's yeah, uh, long answers welcome. Um, <laughs> what, you know, assuming, and, and obviously correct me, you know, you've got, you know, a, a, the career school has, you know, what we consider a fall semester. You know, what does school look like uh, in September when you have students in the building again? Sure, so what we've done at the school to help ensure the safety and comfort for all the students is that we are adhering to social distancing guidelines. We also have to adhere to all the different guidelines that are given to us by different governing bodies, but some of the basic ones that we can talk about is that all of the desks are now six feet apart. We have HEPA filters placed in each classroom. Uh, We've put a Cintiq, um, large television screen, different computer, uh, own scanner, printer, uh, LED light boards, um, and everything else in the classroom. So this way, oh, we've updated all the internet throughout the building. Uh, I mean, it's really, we've done constant changes to make sure that we're completely up to date. And so this way we can do all the different things to make sure that the students are able to receive the same sort of education, but at the safest 
possible means while being in person. And also, if you can't be here, for example, we have a lot of international students. Uh, if they can't be in the actual classroom, what we're doing is a hybrid alternative. So if you can't make it out, for example, Australia's borders are closed until I believe October, so the student won't be able to arrive until later in the year. And to ensure that they don't miss anything in the class, they'll be able to actually still take the class at the same exact time as their classmates will. It's just that they'll have to log in and we'll be able to give them live interaction as well. Awesome. Do you, do you get a lot of international students? Yes, we have a lot of international students. Uh, Australia, Japan, we've had students from Israel, uh, France, everywhere. Mexico. Arge oh, Mariana's from Argentina. Yeah. So, yeah. That's always been the case. We've always yeah. had a big international presence here. That's awesome. How different is it for you as an instructor, Fernando? Does it feel markedly different? I mean, how, the interaction online, how different is that from? In some ways, I mean, you know, it, it's funny because Anthony has implemented a lot of changes and I'm guessing a lot of these changes were things he wanted to do anyway, but we probably didn't plan on having to do them all at once. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it's certainly been a, a, an experience where you roll with, with the things that come and, and you'll learn, you'll learn. So it's been, um, I mean, I've been amazed at, at how well it's gone, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, we're doing things, yeah, we're doing things remotely. We wrapped up the last semester uh, teaching remotely. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm meeting my students on the, uh, you know, uh, in, in a meet situation. Um, so, we, you know, we interact. It, it's, it's very similar, though, to being in class. Because we're, you know, we're talking. Uh, we're just, we're just using this device. We're just talking through the computer. But other, other than that, it's, it, it's the same experience. And we're using the computer to deliver the, the work, the assignments. Um, I, I'm, it's forcing me to be creative too. And I realize, well, you know, using my computer, and I've got all this stuff on my computer, and I've got access to all this digital stuff. Let me throw this at them. Let me show them this stuff. So it's, you know, I, I think we're gonna look back at this as a as a very challenging year. But I think in the long run, we're gonna come out of the other side, um, much in a much better place. Because I think we, if nothing else, we just had to learn to be a whole lot more creative to deal with things. So it's it's, it's been a wild ride, but it's I think in the in the end. We're, in the end result, it's been a positive one, overly. Um, you know, when the you know, coming in here with the tour group, saw you playing with the uh, with the Cintiq and kind of getting used to that. Is that is that like your first time working with kind of the digital uh, drawing board? Or? Oh, all of my students know I'm a bit of a dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, working digitally, you know, taking these baby steps into the digital realm is is all new for me, um, but I'm digging it. You know, I'm liking it, and I, I like you know being able to put it up on the big screen, and um, I, I think it's just going to make it a lot easier for me to share work and things with the students. And the way that it's set up too is it's extremely user friendly. We wouldn't put anything out to have the teachers use if it was going to be overly difficult for them to have to get through and difficult for the students. Um, 
being able to communicate the information to the students clearly is the most important thing because if you're not getting that information in an accessible way that you can work your way through, um, you're not going to be able to implement it. So it's important for the instructors to have ease at their hands and it's important for our students to have that as well so this way that information is conveyed to them in the best form possible. Um. How about in terms of, of faculty, you know, has everyone been kind of on board on, all this time? Has there been any like, you know, turnover or just, you know, general sort of health concerns with, with in-person instruction? I know, you know, just with public schools all over the place, that debate is, yeah, <laughs> inescapable. So what we're going to be doing is, like I've said before, we're going to be following all of the regulation that's handed out to us mm -hmm. uh, to the utmost that we can and probably then some. Uh, I always tell everyone that the most important thing to me is the safety and education of the students that are at the school. Mm -hmm. So I can tell you this, you know, that I will take it very seriously and I know that everybody else here is taking it very seriously in ensuring the safety of the students and staff. Um, another of the big changes for you guys this year is that uh, Dewey's Comic City, your shop, is now inside, physically inside the Kubert School. You know, the two, the two places have always had a very close relationship for at least as long as you know I've I've been aware of it uh, you know what was kind of the the impetus for this very 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 logical move <laughs> I think you said it you know it, it's an extremely logical move and it made a lot of sense um, the Kubert art store is, has been you know serving people in local area for an extremely long time and I think that there's always been an interest to have a comic shop be a part of the school as well. Um, so as far as business goes, it made perfect sense to bring it on over. Uh, and I'm really, really excited about what we've been able to do so far and being able to merge those two kind of together and having it right here on the same premises for all the students, for, for the locals and Dover and Rockaway and all the other surrounding areas uh, that have been kind of starving for a, a comic shop. Mm -hmm. So it, it's really great. Um, and we're still pulling a lot of the same folks that were over in Madison and having them come by too. And uh, don't be surprised if another shop opens back up in Madison again, mm. you know, so we're always looking into everything and trying to do what we can. This, this is why I tell people Anthony is the land bear, comics bi uh, biggest land bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, knock on wood. <laughs> um, you know, was it the sort of thing where, you know, the pandemic was a convenient time to make this move or was it something that you'd already been thinking about? Nothing has been well, convenient about the pandemic. Th that's fair. And, that's and, absolutely and I, fair. I don't mean that. In, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> nothing has been like convenient work. about the pandemic. Yeah. Um, it was a right time for the move because it allowed us to kind of do the things that we would need to do with the time needed mm -hmm. if that is clear enough yeah. um, so we were able to bring everything over I mean you know you have to remember all the shops everywhere were closed yeah you know and especially in comics you know you're talking from March until just recently that you know nothing was coming out mm -hmm. uh, so we were finally able to get stuff back we were able to move it all over and you know it's it's opened up and it's been doing very well and right now we're still only on a limited i call it our soft schedule at the moment because mm -hmm. you know the comic companies aren't exactly overflowing with with content right now that's coming out so we're still on a soft schedule and we're looking to have 
a very large reopening. It's looking like it's going to be in August, and at that point, we'll be on a full schedule again. Okay. Still got our previous guest and buddy John Bush right behind me. Oh, the John's wonderful. I love John. Don't ever tell him that. No, but, uh, <laughs> no, he's he's great. I think John is honestly one of the funniest people. I love being around John because he. Uh, if anybody's ever come into Dewey's Comic City, um, you will know John because he has this wonderful, dry sense of humor, and it's sarcastic too. And I, I love it. Uh, I just laugh. I just laugh whenever I'm around. I think he's great. No. But, and he's great. He's so knowledgeable about the books as well. And he's a real asset to the to the store, and uh, he's actually going to be working within the school as well. Yeah, so he's going to be the new Kubert School librarian as well. So it's great. Oh, it's I'm awesome! Glad yeah. we, we back in the day when it was me and John and Dewey's all the time. We always used to. And Dan was like, "Don't say that." But we, we would play good cop, apathetic cop, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John is great. I love John. Very, very, very funny guy. And now he's going to be the Giles of the Kubert School. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, you know, talking a little bit about, you know, you, you had the diamond shut down this year, obviously. And, and like you said, you know, publishers aren't exactly, uh, you know, spitting out books at the same rapid clip that, you know, they were this time last year. You know, we're, you know, is, it, is that a good thing right now? Is it, is it good that there's like a slow sort of ramp up to get comics moving again? You know, from from the store standpoint, you know, it's one of the one of the big arguments I would hear from from various retailers online in years past is, you know, there's too much stuff, you know, fall back a little bit, you know, and now we're actually in that period where, well, you know, you got what you paid for. Is it is it a monkey's paw thing, or does it make sense to be putting out fewer titles right now from a retailer? Oh, I think it makes perfect sense not to be putting out as much as they were before. You know, you have businesses that are really hurt. I mean, take a look around the country. It's not just in comics. You know, yeah. I mean, oh, absolutely. You gotta, you gotta take a look everywhere and then you gotta take a look at the people who, who are being affected. I mean, a lot of people are out of work right now and, you know, it's going out there and buying comics, it's a, it's a rather cheap form of entertainment, but still, you know, if you're spending four or five dollars on, you know, four, four comics, it's 20 bucks pretty quickly. Uh, and yeah, I know. There's people that are going to hear this and go, $20 isn't a lot of money. Well, you know what? It is when you got to decide yeah. if you're going to eat something at night. So $20 makes a big difference. Uh, so I think that, you know, pulling back at this at this point in time, waiting until things really start to kind of reopen and, and seeing what we could do and uh, make a difference that way, I think that it's very smart. But it, it also comes down to you can't be just putting stuff out. I don't want to insult anything, but you can't put out, like, lower tier type of product either because you're not really helping businesses at that point and you're just kind of bringing folks in. I know that DC's been putting out, looks like they have some really great stuff that's going to be coming out. I'm very excited, like Three Jokers, and that's very exciting. That's a great draw to get people into the shops. Marvel just had Empire come out. So mm -hmm. it's definitely ratcheting up, which is great because yeah. you need that. You need, to get, you need to have something to draw people in. And so that's some good stuff that's going on. And I'm excited about that, the potential there. But um, I don't think that it would be wise all of a sudden to drop 67 to 72 titles for Marvel coming out, you know, in one month, and then DC dropping however many they're going to put out, uh, and then Image and Boom and Dynamite and what, what so forth. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot for a comic shop to have to dive into right, up, right out of this, especially after three months of having no income coming in. Absolutely. 
Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's got to be dicey out there and scary. I mean, people still aren't are allowed out everywhere, you know. And, mm-hmm. and there's shops around the country that probably aren't allowed to be open yet. So you don't want to just like hammer through a ton of product that isn't going to find an audience or, or find customers for that product. So. It, you know, you, you just got to pare down for a little while. I think that's a smart thing. Uh, something that came out uh, this week, ICB2 and Comicron did their annual analysis, and they said that this was the first year that the uh, book, book channel market outpaced traditional comic shops in terms of, of comic and graphic novels, novel sales uh, 2019. You know, what is, what is, is there a takeaway I mean, 2020 and 2019 are, are apples and oranges, if ever there have been, but is there a takeaway from that for a, a, a comics retailer? Accessibility to the buyer. Um, comic shops um, are their own little ecosystems, man. You know, they, they exist within their own little universes, and it's not easily accessible to everyone. I know people are going to be angry about that, but you know what? <laughs> it's the truth. Uh, when you go into a comic shop and you want to just pick up a book and you want to read something, and then you realize you got to read about, you know, fifty other tie-in issues just to have an idea, an idea of what's going in the comic that you want to read. Um, I mean, that's not great. That's not great business sense. Whereas you can pick up these beautiful graphic novels. They're very simple. You know, the stories are easy to read. They're enjoyable. Uh, they're fun. That's a big no-no word in comics. <laughs> They're fun. Um, I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know. I mean, these kids are being able to pick stuff up, and they, they're able to have an entire adventure right there. And then they want to come back and pick them up. And, you know, it's funny. When I worked at Dynamite, we used to joke about it because Grumpy Cat, right? We did Grumpy Cat, and everybody's like, why would you do Grumpy Cat? The, the periodical is so, so low. It's not about selling it in the comic shop. It's about getting the deal with Scholastic. That's why you see Marvel getting that deal with Scholastic just yep. now. And then that brings you right into all the bookshops. But even more so than that, it gets you into libraries. And those go all around the country. And I'm pretty sure there's more libraries than comic shops. And then, <laughs> on top of that, it gets you into schools. And then you're going, well, what do you mean by getting into schools? Don't you guys remember again those lovely, colorful packets of Scholastic things that oh, you could yeah. just go and purchase and have in book club? I think that's what it was called. Yeah. Man, I gotta tell you, my kids is happy Grumpy Cat. They're gonna be buying that. <laughs> Next, you know, when you see the sales on that Grumpy Cat hardcover from Scholastic, it outsold Batman. So that's all you need to know. Uh, you get into the other shops, and that's what you want to aim for. If you focus on one thing, you're gonna die. So. Got to get out. And I mean, credit where credit is due, Dewey's always did a good job, and you've kept it up, of having a good selection of those kind of all-ages things. But you're right, it's hard to compete with a Barnes & Noble on every 10 miles. Yeah, you know, look, Dewey's, for example, we do a wonderful job of bringing in different sorts of books for people to come in and take a peek at. It's accessible to everyone. It's not just... It's a comic shop, yes, but it's also a great place for people to come in. You want to try out different all-ages graphic novels, uh, different sorts of books, toys. We try to have something for everyone. 
And that's what I think you need to really take a look at. And Fernando and I have had these kind of conversations about even art as far as in the books. And um, not to say, look, there's beautiful, beautiful art in the books today too, but we start talking about, you think about when Superman first came out, or, and I know that there's different factors that are involved in terms of like what was available as far as entertainment and the price, but the art was extremely accessible so that when a young person was looking at it, you could take a peek at it and go, well, you know, I'm not really intimidated by what I'm seeing. It's not overly rendered, incredible amounts of detail that's going to blow my mind and make me get confused at what I'm seeing. But um, it's easy for a young person to get involved with and then want to stay with. And it's the same thing with those all-age graphic novels that you'll take a look at in the, in the, in the bookstores. For example, like, um, oh, uh, Captain Underpants. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's not... You know, you're not going to see every vein drawn out on <laughs> Captain Underpants and, you know, every, every muscle. You know, if, if it's done in the book, it's going to be done as a joke because it acknowledges how stupid it is. Yeah. You know, so uh, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Once again, the, the no-no word of comics, fun. So there you go. No, absolutely. I hope that answers it. No, it definitely, it definitely does. Here. And you know, it, it, when you know, kind of thinking about this stuff, I'm always, I'm looking at my son. He's nine years old. Yeah. You know, and he's got like I bought him his own little short box, and he's got like floppies and stuff, but he's also got this sort of hollowed spot uh, shelf right next to his bed. What's lined up there? All the Dogman books, Dog all the Man, diaries yeah. of wimpy kids. You know what I mean? Uh, he's got a the um, there was a, a Spider Man. Uh, kind of all-ages series that Mariko Tamaki did with uh, Guru Huru, uh, Double Trouble, that's it, that came out not too recently. I bought him the trade, and it's in that, that sort of like digest size. He's got that out all the time. I don't really see him sitting and reading the individual, you know, floppies, because that's just, it's the way that his generation is, is trained to come up through comics, and yeah. it's just, it's, it's sort of an evolution thing. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's funny, because look at what DC's doing. They're they started doing... YGNs, you know, it's yeah. like, okay, there you go. And they've been thinking about doing that for years before that even came out. They've been trying to get it because, look, the writing is on the wall. You can see what it is, okay? We can deny it all we want. We can all say, oh, no, there's nothing. Well, okay, fine. You sit in the back <laughs> row and don't, you just keep on complaining like a crazy person. Meanwhile, we'll all keep on pushing it forward and making sure that the industry grows. Because look, the numbers are there. They said that the numbers were huge for 2019. Okay, so we know that there's an audience. Why would you not want to take advantage of that audience? If, that, if this is what you want to do, this proves that comics are still a viable form of entertainment. Yeah. You can call it a different name, it's still comics. It still involves storytelling, it's a huge audience. We gotta get out there and, and do it. So that's what's so great about this school too is, the fundamentals that you need to be able to do that, we still teach here. It's that whole narrative art aspect of the business, which you can't learn any better than right here. He brings it right back around. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, I'm just curious because having you know taken the tour of the school, the the art on the all the art <laughs> is it's yeah. freaking amazing. Do, Either of you have a particular favorite piece that's either of yours or of someone else's that is hanging somewhere. All the old here. stuff from Joe. Well, yeah, yeah. the I mean, family. <laughs> I always like the. Um, I don't know if it's still around. The Flash Gordon piece. I think that's out over here. 
the you know the big one. It's it's got Dale being whipped. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from that, <laughs> um, it's it's just I I've always loved um, Alex Raymond's artwork, and that um, believe it or not, I I go back to like the chainmail on that. And, oh yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just like little things um, that, that, and I guess just because, I mean, I've been here 25 years now and, and three more as a student, so I've been walking these halls forever, uh, but I just see that as, as always being there, and I always, it, it always just caught my eye every time I, I would pass by it. There's one that I've been searching for, and I can't find it. In, in the school? In the school. It was here when I was a student. And I know it's still in here somewhere, and I've been every, it's hidden. It's <laughs> hidden somewhere in this building. I gotta find it, because I still find stuff in here that I haven't, didn't know existed. But um, it was this beautiful piece of art. I wish I knew who the artist was. And, because um, I've even tried to find it online, Google searching, you know, just to find the, the image. And it's all these old men. They're wearing all this heavy black. It's beautiful, it's so smartly thought out. Yeah. The layout's gorgeous, and they're all pointing, and they're all angry, and some of them are shielding their eyes, and then coming out of this rubble is this being in this is pure white light, right? And very, very little rendering put on them. And then uh, what it is, is it says underneath it, is a new idea. But I think that that's so smart, because it, whenever there's a new idea, and it kind of ties in with this whole thing of what everybody's going through right now, is everyone's so terrified of a new idea, of seeing something a little bit dif different, or having to change a little bit, you know. And so everyone's first initial reaction is to point, complain, shield your eyes from it. But it's beautiful. Look at it. See what you can create. Go forward with the new idea. And I always thought that that was such a powerful image and so smart and wonderfully put together. And uh, I'm sad that I don't know where that is and who did it. So if anybody listens to this <laughs> and can figure that out, contact me and I'll just give you an air high five. I was going to try to give you something, but I'll just give you an air high five. So it's a joke. Uh, but yeah, that's my favorite. And then there's a beautiful Frank Goodwin piece on the third floor outside of the library. And uh, that's a really incredible, just beautifully well done image. So. So when John is in here as the librarian, you can have him. <laughs> yeah, hunt, yeah, hunt that piece down and archive. I mean, there's there's beautiful artwork. I mean, we have gorgeous Joe Kubert artwork throughout the building. I mean, of course. I mean, how could you not have that up? Um, and we have even more coming out that we're going to be putting throughout the building. All of the instructors have gorgeous artwork up that people come in and and see. And that was very important to me as well because I want people to realize that, you know. I love the Cuberts, but it's not just them. Mm -hmm. You know, so many of the people that have been here and are instructors or have come to school here and been incredible alumni, they've gone on to doing gorgeous, gorgeous work. And we need to spotlight that and recognize them for what they've done. I mean, we've got Fernando who's done incredible things. We got a lot of his artwork up. We have that hanging up, it's beautiful. Uh, I mean, Tom Mandrake, Jan Dersima, I mean, Lee Weeks. I mean, we got, you know, the, the list goes on forever. And whenever I, whenever I start doing a list of names, I always feel bad because <laughs> it, there's so many incredibly talented people that have gone to school here, that have taught here, are teaching here, that if you don't name them all, I feel like I'm letting them down. 
but it but that's a good problem to have you know because <laughs> that just tells you the incredible amount of talent that we have within this building and that are in the industry right now and it's such a range too such a range it, you know, yeah I mean we've got a lot of people from comics all the spectrum of comics yeah but there's I mean some of the paintings that we have here oh yeah and the illustration work from you know illustrators who aren't on Wizards Top 10 you know <laughs> uh, or weren't on Wizards but you know yeah we've had teachers here who've done all walks of commercial art and uh, it's nice to see that kind of variety on the walls it was great this this past year uh, I had the I was very happy to meet uh, Abe Oddish, who was a, a student here years yeah. ago. What am I? And now he's a director for Cartoon Network and oh Nickelodeon, my. and what a cool guy! <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's not just comics. If you come here, you go into every facet of the industry, whether it's entertainment, comics, movies, advertising, market. You know, it you're in all of it. And I got to tell you, it, it was such a, a great uh, moment to meet him and talk with him a little bit. And uh, just to kind of see the different avenues that other alumni have gone into. Um, getting back to, to Dewey's for a second, you talked about wanting to do like the grand opening thing. Uh, you know, Dewey's was always known for kind of going all out on Free Comic Book Day and getting a lot of the Cooper School staff there. Uh, obviously, there was no Free Comic Book Day this year. We've got Free Comic Book Summer. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It's not the same. But you know, what what is a what is a you know grand reopening for a comic shop look like in the age of, of social distancing? Still putting it all together. Fair <laughs> yeah. I mean, just full of you know, honest, putting it all together. Still trying to figure it out. You know, I've reached out to a few folks to see if we could figure out some way to do something, but. Uh, you know, it all comes down to the safety first, of course. Yeah. And we'll see what we could do. But, I mean, I've already started thinking about how we could do future free comic book days and the implementing it with the school, where literally you have three floors of an entire building filled with students, faculty, and then, you know, Dewey's waiting for you right there to give you a high five. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I think that that would be absolutely incredible. I mean, you're talking about 100 different artists uh, in, a, in a building where you can come, basically have a miniature free comic book day convention, everything's free. I mean, think about that, everything is free with a hundred artists, and then you get comics on the way. So, I mean, that's pretty great. Yeah, that's pretty, um, I mean, that should give us all a little optimism. I mean, I, I think all the, the blocks are in place for when, when yeah. God say you're good to go and we can <laughs> open up fully and you know and have people back and, and all that you know Dewey's is poised to have the biggest best free comic book day ever yeah you know, I mean got even, all the tools even last year it was so wonderful I, we had a, for Halloween comic fest we had incredible Halloween comic fest last year we had great artists there for that and we had the Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters <laughs> and I mean it was a wonderful wonderful day you know I've talked with a lot of folks and they don't put a lot of stock into Halloween Comic Fest and I, I don't think that we'll be able to this year. You know, we might be able to do something small depending on where we're at and what's allowed. Mm -hmm. uh, but, I mean, look, I am all for making anything enjoyable for people. So if that means that we can do something in October and do something really cool again and have the Ghostbusters out here and the real Ecto-1 and <laughs> have an awesome, <laughs> let's do it. 
you know. But otherwise, I've already started trying to figure out and plan for next next free comic book day. So I'm really planning on making that the biggest and best free comic book day in the country. So we look forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mean Steve Jeffy? Um, <laughs> as as we're kind of you know winding down here, uh, you know. Obviously, we're dealing with an audio medium, but I just I just want to talk about Fernando's shoes for a second because he's rocking this, this sweet pair of, of Chuck Taylors with the, like a '60s Batman and Robin on Look at that. Yeah, I'm taking a photo of them right Please. now. So feet on, yeah, feet on the table. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Yeah, look at this. Look at this. Well, you can't look at it, but you will. Um, <laughs> uh, you just got the, you know, I was going to ask if they were customs, but you just got those from a, from a Journeys in the Mall? <laughs> I, I ordered them online. Yeah, oh, they wow. Were limited edition. Um, and uh, I, I went for it. <laughs> I, you know, you know what sold me is just the old Batman and, and Robin yeah, on the yeah. side. And with, like, the lettering from a cover you know uh -huh. um, it just to me it just feels like old comics when they were fun <laughs> oh that word that word <laughs> they still are I know you just Man, gotta find the you, you gotta sift through but, yeah. but it's still yes. there yeah. and you know it's funny like when I say that, people are like, oh, he wants all the all the comics to be silly. and I'm like, that's not what I'm saying. No. I just want to have an enjoyable experience. <laughs> there, there was always a range. There was, yes, always, there exactly. was always a range of material. You know, you had your adult, more adult stuff, more sophisticated stuff. And there was always this stuff that was for younger readers, too. Um, and, and I think that there's always that room. And clearly, clearly, that interest is there. If, if that interest hasn't been hammered out this year, you, that's a testament to how that interest has persevered. I always tell everybody, I call it, I've been saying this for years, I know you, you don't know about this, and I'm sure I've told you about it before, I call it the Pixar model. Okay, Pixar is a wonderful, wonderful model to follow. If I was to ever start a comic company, that would be the model I would follow. It would be a lot of fun, adventure, it's a little bit scary, it can be, but it's not too far in any one direction. You keep it accessible. It's a keyword. You gotta make things accessible to people. So Yeah, I mean I can't for the life of me at times figure out why you know you, you look back uh, the oh god I'm blanking on the it was Ty Templeton the Batman Adventures comics that were out of the animated series. That first yeah. Mike Parabek did most of the art. They were great Batman stories that were completely accessible. You know, no Joker ripping off his own, wearing his own face as a mask but or whatever, but so, you were able to do... So take those stories, and then even if you don't want them to be drawn in an animated style, draw the draw that. Just draw that script in what... Let's say your mainstream Batman style, and let's see it. I'm no, no offense to any of the people working on Batman. I'm just talking about this in general, or whatever story you want to do. Do that as a book, and let's take a peek at it, and it'll be really enjoyable. Absolutely. So, so stay tuned for when Anthony comes on the next time to talk about the new comics lately. Start. We can also segue nice and fun comics just so you can talk about briefly. Uh, Fernando, your new volume of Die Kitty Die. Die the, Kitty Die. Uh, first issue just arrived for your Patreon backers. I don't Patreon. Uh, Kickstarter backers. Kickstarter, yeah. Sorry, brain. I had a moment there. Uh, a couple weeks back. Um, 
moving forward, you get those will be out, and then you'll have a hardcover that'll be out through yeah. the normal channels. And talk about uh, a pandemic scare there. We had a, our Kickstarter in the middle of the pandemic. And um, what did it do? It started the Monday after everything shut down, I think. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I think that it, it was early. So 13th, we, we did it in March. So the we 16th, I think you guys want, because uh, th the 13th was the Friday that everything shut down. Mm -hmm. Okay. 14th, so I bet you it was the 16th. And I remember going into it, I, uh, I said to Dan, are you sure we should do this? And Dan said to me very wisely, he goes, well, it might only get worse, so let's <laughs> do it now or never. And uh, so I said, all right, let's do it. Um, and we had the biggest Kickstarter turnout we ever had. This, this is our fourth Kickstarter for Die Kitty Die. This is our fourth volume. And this was the, the largest number we brought in. So, um, you know, I, all, the, all the planets lined up for us. Uh, we were lucky. A lot of very loyal, faithful, supportive, <laughs> and thank you very much, uh, came through for us. And we certainly couldn't, we would not be able to do this at all without those guys. So, um, I mean, that, that alone is a testament that, that comics are alive and that interest and passion is still there um, so yeah we, we had a very successful campaign and now we're in the middle of putting the book together the issues have been coming out digitally they've been available to our Kickstarter supporters they, they get it all digitally uh, it's also available on Gumroad so if anybody wants to go and, and buy the issues as they come out and then once the individual issues have been have come out then we will put it all together into the hardcover and that'll go out to, to all of our supporters. And it'll be available on diekittydie.com and Dewey's. So I think we're... Oh, okay, we got another tour coming in. Um. <laughs> so real quick, uh, Andy, can you just give the social for the school and the website? Sure, if you visit www.cubertschool.edu, you can visit us right on our website, or you can take a peek at us on Instagram, social media, you know, Twitter, all of those lovely places. So go right on there and follow us, and on uh, Facebook. So just look up Kubert School, and we'll be waiting there for you. All right, Anthony. And Fernando. of course, Dewey's oh, Comic City. Yeah. Come on, oh yes, yeah. <laughs> Anthony yeah. Fernando. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks for thanks, having guys. Us. Yeah. Always fun. Bye bye. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A and WMQ Comics are now part of the Xavier Files media empire, meaning you can find all our great comics coverage, along with some of the best X-Men and Marvel criticism around, at XavierFiles.com. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at XavierFiles.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash WMQcomics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice, and a $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail from my collection. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Young Ones and Match Club Podcasts, Robert Secundus from Docs Talks at XavierFiles.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, and Lan M from Lan's Vids. You can follow WMQ Comics and Xavier Files on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. And until next week, in the immortal words of Abraham Lincoln, be excellent to each other. WMQA!